and welcome to Reality Blows. My name is Nick Maritato. I'm Ashley Burke Roberts. This is a podcast all about reality television. That it is, Nicholas. On this particular episode, we uh, we crushed a whole season of a reality show that is on Netflix. It's a Netflix original. The show is called Dating Around. Yeah. Ashley and I watched six episodes of this show in a matter of a day and a half, and also the seven minutes Where Are They Now featurette. Um, not going to tell you how we feel about the show until we get to that part of the podcast, because first got to talk about some other things, namely, Ashley, you got bangs. I got bangs, but before we get into the bangs, I'm going to ask everybody to go ahead and scroll down on their Apple Podcast app, give us five stars. We're trying to get to 100 five-star reviews by the end of the year so we can get microphones and stick. Okay, thank you. If you have left a review, um, I've been reading them and they're literally making my day better. I mean, it's really shocking how how much a nice review turns the day around. Now back to what we were actually talking about. Ashley, you got bangs. I got a bang trim, Nick. A trim. So you're trying to tell me when you left the house earlier this morning, you had bangs? I had bangs. Sure, they were up in the pony. I had pulled them back into the ponytail, but they were there. If bangs aren't shown in an actual do, when you do your hair, do you have bangs at that moment in your life? Yes. So when you pull them back in the pony... That's still, uh, you're still a woman with bangs. Yep, correct. They're just long. Interesting. They're long okay. bangs. Do I have bangs? You do. I have bangs? <laughs> oh my God. I feel so friggin' cute right now. What do they look like? You look really adorable. Sort of like that, um, the little brother from the Adams family. What the fuck? <laughs> Ash, what the fuck? You mean the poster child for little fat kids? What are you talking about? He just combed his bangs forward, yeah, didn't he? No, that kid had like a little spiky buzz cut. Okay, who? Fuck you. <laughs> what the fuck? Take back that fuck you. Not on the pod. All right, I take it back, but wow. fuck you. I mean, what? You can't say fuck you to me. It does when you call me a little fat boy. And let's be honest, you call me a fat boy quite a bit when we walk around, don't you? I call you titty man. Well, that's for other reasons, but you call me a fat boy. Yes, you do. I can't believe you. I'm sorry. We have to air it out. We, we have, have to, air to start it out on this, this podcast show. again. No, we don't. We're not restarting anything. Ash, I know I can see your face right now. You really want me to stop this podcast and restart it? Yep, you're shaking your head. <laughs> it ain't happening. Everybody's going to know that you called me the what's-his-name from the Adams Family and that you called me Titty Man. <laughs> Listen, all right. Well, all right, fine. You, you, you got a bang trim. All right, and did your uh, our favorite hairdresser uh, hook you up, the, the challenge fan? Oh, yeah. She had a lot to say. She also said she also crushed dating around in a day. Yeah. She also said to me, oh, I saw this great new show uh, downtown called Get On Your Knees. Oh. And I was like, oh, that's Jacqueline's show. I think Remy and Paige should see it from Are You The One. She hasn't watched Are You The One yet. <laughs> it's almost. So. Just to catch up some new blowhards on what we're talking about, Ashley sees a hairdresser who happens to be a challenge super fan. Hardcore. Yeah, and uh, has opinions on, on characters. Anything new? Any opinions on some characters yep. from this season? New. Well, in her personal life, something very interesting has happened, which is that always she is the only person in her social group who watches the challenge. So she's been like a diehard fan from forever, since Road Rules versus Real World, and she's always watched it, and all of her friends make fun of her about it. Except something has changed. What? 
all these new cast members coming in from other shows, now her friends are watching the challenge. Interesting. And was is it because of Big Brother or is it because of Love Island? Um, mostly Love Island and yeah. then a little Big Brother. I mean, those are incredibly huge fan bases. I mean, sometimes I forget, you know, Josh is a winner of Big Brother. Yeah, he, he won, won the show. He and, won the whole thing. And yet on the challenge, he's a big old chump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she had, we, we both agreed that um, he plays kind of like a, 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 scared kind of confused game definitely emotionally based and that every time he's on there we kind of feel like he's just doing something someone told him to do i'm curious did she have any insight on what he's like since we're not a big brother household at least not yet um any any insight on what he was like on that show she said that she didn't really like him on that show and um i think she said she didn't really like him on that show we didn't talk about big brother really but we did talk about how when he came onto the challenge it was nice because he was partnered with Amanda and their energy really balanced each other out because Amanda was just constantly rolling her eyes at him which made him more likable agreed and now that he's on this season without that Amanda um, it feels like he's just aggravating and you know what it reminded me of Nick hmm. when we go to Disney World and I um, trade pins that's P-I-N-S for people who are confused by what I'm saying there's a whole fun world of trading Disney pins, okay? And yes, adults do it. Um, I'm one of the adults. Sure, it's mainly for children. Um, but you get all these pins, and then you can go up to people who work there, a.k.a. cast members, and you can trade pins with them, and you talk to them. And it's fun. It's an interactive part of the park. If you're if you're going to Disney World or Disneyland, you should definitely give it a go. It's super fun. Right, Nick? Totally. Now, here's the thing. When I went to Disney World with Nick and his family, I had uh, I had a fanny pack full of pins. I had a lanyard full of pins. I'm going around trading pins with people. And when I would trade pins, Nick would be kind of to the side, kind of rolling his eyes, kind of being like, yeah, she's into pins, you know. And I did not realize it, but that is a necessary energy for a woman in her 30s to have when she's going up to someone to trade pins. You mean me? I'm the necessary energy? You're the necessary Explain. energy. Explain. I'm, I'm, I'm not with you yet. Okay. Um, a year later, I went to Disneyland with my friend Natasha Vainblot. Oh, you mean the time that you left me at home to go to a Disney theme park? Well, we were going to L.A. to perform. Sure you were. Sure you we were. We were going to L.A. to do shows. Sure you were. And we just happened to have Disneyland passes because of your father. And I told her all about this pin thing. She was very excited about it. We went around the park trading pins. People could not have been more put off by our energy. <laughs> <laughs> what was the difference between the energy? It was just we were both really into it. And so you just had these two women in their 30s kind of leaning over, examining your pins, going, hmm, ha, huh, well, what, where did you get this one? Oh, okay. Mm, well, maybe we'll trade this one. This. It was people did not give us, uh, there wasn't an element of play mm. it was a little too serious now could it be just because that's an inferior park and it, maybe the the cast members that's what they call the people that work at the parks the cast members were just kind of shitty actors who didn't really be. want to be there disneyland is subpar yeah. to disney world mm -hmm. it's true but i also think that having you there yes to kind of point out the fact that we can laugh at me i'm listening makes it more fun and better for the person that I have cornered and okay. trying to get their pins from. I didn't want to have to do this, but I'm going to do this right now. I'm going to put you on the spot. Who do you like better, me or Natasha? How dare you? Who do you like better, me or Natasha? How dare you? Who do you like better? 
you're both very different people. Hey, come on. I'm I your love boyfriend. you equally. I love what? you equally? equally. Yeah, I love you equally. We've been dating for 85 years. Yeah, well, I've been friends with Natasha for at least six. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's intense. We have an intense friendship. Um. So, yeah, I've not made it out to the Disneyland yet, but it, it, I should I should go. Um. Our friends Zach and Mary are right now enjoying Ugh. a time at Sea Disney. Man, it, I am so jealous. Yeah, it's in uh, it's in Japan, and it's uh, a wild time, it looks like. Nick and I make a lot of plans for our wedding and honeymoon, yeah. even though we have no plans to get married. Yeah, and yeah. We're not engaged. No. But um, I would say that Japan and uh, Disney Sea is like right up there for our main honeymoon spot. Yeah. I would probably put it number one for me, mostly because I don't like beaches. So uh, I'm I'm trying to avoid any sort of a beach area. Babe, that's not life. true. Stop that negative self-talk. <laughs> I have converted you. You're now a beach dude. A, yeah, you've converted me to a guy who won't go to a beach to a guy who tolerates going to a beach. No, I've converted you to a guy who's going <laughs> to move to Florida with me in a couple of years, and we're going to be beach bombs. Every time we go to a beach, somebody accuses of, us of smoking pot in a hotel room. That Ash, happened I just, once. <laughs> yeah, but you never know. Could happen again. We are beach people now. Oh, man. That's a bummer. (laughs) Accept your fate. I guess I'm accepting my fate. Listen, not to move from one, um, you know, themed uh, kids thing to another, but we have a new member of our household. Um, Ash, do you want to explain? Oh, I know exactly what you you're do, talking about. Don't you? I yeah. I went ahead and I pre-ordered a Nintendo Switch Lite, folks. So the Nintendo console has a light version, which is just kind of like the handheld version of it. And it came two weeks ago, and I saw it for about eight minutes before Ashley grabbed that thing out of my hand and for about three days straight played Dr. Mario. It's the best game ever invented. It's so funny. This is something I love, Blowhards, is Ashley, uh, you know, she kind of carries herself just... This real like erudite personality, like where she's above this. Nose I'm an in the intellectual, air. babe. I'm an intellectual. I don't waste time. I have four planners and I have stickers to go with each of them. This is the type of person, a bullet journaling person that I live with. If you put Dr. Mario in the same room with <laughs> Ashley, you will not see this motherfucker. She will bury her nose in whatever console it's on and will be addicted to it until I hear her frustration and she decides that it's time to put a bunch of creams on her face and go to bed. That's basically what Ashley will do. I did not know that if I bought this Switch that I would have the option to play Dr. Mario on here. And when I found out, I toss it to Ashley and I go, hey, check this out. And now I look around for my Switch to try and play my game and I don't know where it is and I hear struggling coming from the other room and it's Ashley under the covers cursing at herself because she can't beat level 17. No, okay, this is what's so frustrating, you guys. Once you beat level 20, you you go to the next level, but if you don't beat it right away, you go back to level 20. It's like infuriating. Yeah, and Ashley, this has been the bane of her existence. So uh, if you get to level 19 and you play and you you lose, you don't go back to 18. You stay at 19. You've already beaten 18. I assume most of our listeners are younger than us. I'm just yeah. assuming that. And you may not know what Dr. Mario is. It's Greatest basic, game ever created. It's like a Mario version of Tetris. Yeah, but more intense. 
and fun. Okay. The music is better. The music's better. It's Everything awesome about tunes. it's better. Yeah. It's awesome. I love it. I, I prefer to play against someone. Julia Johns, also past guest. Um, check out our Southern Charm season three uh, recap and review. We we have binged Dr. Mario. We have spent hours of our lives playing against each other. We take the couch. We put it as close to the television as possible. <laughs> I have an old school Nintendo and we play Dr. Mario. But this Switch thing, I can take Dr. Mario with me anywhere. Well, anywhere you want. It's, it's true. Wild. And you keep trying to get me to play other games, and yeah. I'm like, I'm not. I'm like, check this out. I don't like video games. I've, I just like Dr. Mario. I found a Dr. Mario type game that is like a Japanese only Super NES game that once I get the chargers in for the two controllers that I bought. By the way, Nintendo Switch, they sell you extra charge. You get extra um, controllers so you can play two player, and then that comes in the mail, and then you realize it does not come with its own charging grip, and I have to order that. And so now that's not. Uh, now I have all these whatever Nick's upset. I, I am upset because i really wanted to play um a, a super mario kart with you and i can't do it it's okay babe i'm I, not into super mario kart why i'll play it for you because i love spending time with you Aww. and that's why i do this podcast um anyway so if any uh switch heads out there what, what should i get i got super mario odyssey and i've been playing that and it's really really fun and i assume i'm gonna get some of these zelda games as well and i don't know my i'm into uh non-complicated young people style games uh, because they're more fun for me um, right now I, I all I have is a PlayStation 4 and it's just like I can't play that stuff it just takes too much time and I don't want to do it I kind of just want to play for like eight minutes during commercial breaks while I'm trying to binge a season of X on the beach season three or something like Ooh, that Ooh, we're gonna watch it folks we are gonna watch that yeah uh, just just in case you were wondering we will catch up we we're, about, catch we're a few up. episodes behind I think we what we're going to do is time our X on the Beach season three recap or whatever we want to call it or review with the uh, season finale. So, yep. And that seems like it'll be coming up in the next couple of weeks. So something to look out for if you like. Also, um, oh, did you want to mention something about television? No. Oh, okay. I wanted to mention something about children. Oh, go for it. Well, since we're talking about kid stuff, I was yeah. going to talk about what happened to me last week. Yeah, go for it. So I hosted a uh, a show done by teens for children. So it's like a, it's a big show, lots of families, lots of people, and then about ten teens that I have um, worked with for years now. You would say I've molded. And Nick as well. We've molded their minds. As well. Yeah. I, I'm currently teaching two classes. You're teaching no classes. Yeah, I did. I, this is my semester off. You took off this semester. Sabbatical. Yeah. You get that once you're tenured. Hey, kids. I think I might be tenured. I started like a month after you at this job. <laughs> been there for 45 years. So I'm hosting this teen show and uh, performing for these families with their children. No one's there to see an adult. I'll put that out there. Yeah. Okay. The parents are looking at me like wishing that I was cussing. Also looking at me like, who are you? Yeah. I'm just here for my kids. And um, I, I opened up. I do about 10 minutes up top. Does not go well. This specific time does not go well for yeah. you on stage. Now, now, would you say you bombed? I, I would say I had some, there are some definite good points, mm -hmm. but I definitely, the last, I don't know, five minutes of my set, I could feel it. So, okay, take, now, I, I will say, just so it doesn't seem like I'm uh, above any of this, I, too, have hosted my fair share of these kids' comedy shows, and I would say, let's say I hosted... A hundred. I didn't. But let's just say for percentage reasons to make it easy, 100. 
I would say I bombed 85 of those 100 sets. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say 85 of those sets I would consider personally a bomb. Mm. I do not do well usually in that situation. And it's purely because of the things that you were saying, which is the fact that it's like these people are here for a kid's comedy show. Why is this guy doing subpar material before I can see children? And do I? why is it subpar? Well, because I cannot use any material that I use in my regular act for the most part because it may not be laden with curses, but the uh, topics um, and the subject matter are just not good for age range 5 to 95. It just doesn't work. And I'll say that the teens, they do topics that we can't do because it's not as, it, it seems okay when they're doing it. Right, but it's like, the, ooh, look at this person writing in like a mature way. Yeah, and being then, edgy, look yeah. at this teen being edgy. But as soon as I bring up abortion, okay, <laughs> <laughs> everyone's complaining. Yeah, um, it, it's, uh, it, it is a tight walk uh, to, uh, a tight rope to walk um, when you're hosting these shows. And the hardest part is that you're doing this in front of kids that you teach. Yeah, the kids that you're supposed to be teaching comedy to, you teach them for weeks weeks and weeks and weeks and then the big show happens and then the person that was teaching them gets up there and comes off the stage in 10 minutes with drowning in their own flop sweat it's it's really embarrassing it's embarrassing yeah and it reminds me of when i first started there um we had a person coming to talk to them who writes for a very popular television show i will not say what the television show is but just know that it's extremely popular and you know it okay blowhards so this person was coming to talk to the class about what it's like to be a, a comedy writer on this show. And the day before, all the kids are asking me, like, what do you, how do you get to be a comedy writer on this show? And I tell them the truth. I say, you got to start doing mics, okay? You spend about, I don't know, six to seven years open doing mics. Mi- That's open mics. Where you, it's either a free show that you're doing a few minutes on with a bunch of other comics that you sign up for, or you actually have to pay to get on it. That's what an open mic is. Do and Meet friends. Make friends, okay? Start putting on your own little weird shows in basements. You know, really work for it. And then after about eight or nine years, you might get a manager, okay? Once you get a manager involved in your career, they're going to start start sending you packets for shows. You're going to do packets for years and years and no one's going to read them. Okay. And then after you do about four years of packets, maybe one of your friends gets hired on that show. Okay. And then they can get someone to put eyes on your packet. But at that point, you've been doing comedy for 12 years. It's a good packet. Okay. And then maybe someone actually can read that packet who can hire you and then possibly they can hire you. But you know what? If they don't, you're still going to be out there hustling. You're still going to be grinding. You got to get up every night. You got to do these things, you know? So I'm giving them, I'm I'm being real with these kids. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. So then the comedy writer comes in the next day and they're like, how did you get that job at very famous show? And she's like, well, I decided I wanted to work there. So um, my dad's friend got me an internship there. And then from my internship, I got hired as the director's personal assistant. I told him that I wanted to write there. So he had me just submit jokes to him. And then after a couple of years, I became a staff writer. 
A little different than hitting those mics and making friends, huh? And these kids in the class, after she said all of that, these kids all just turned to look at me like, you fool. You <laughs> fool. <laughs> you. She straight up owned me in front of those kids. And that that's what it felt like hosting this show, is just yeah. being like, I don't know what I'm talking I about. I clearly, uh, oh, by the way, comedy's hot, tough. Do you say that from yeah, stage? Yeah. I will sometimes then commiserate with some of the kids that I've worked with for a while who know that I struggle sometimes on these shows. Or 85% of the time on the shows. Um, so, uh, and these kids realize, because once you've been in this program for a while as a kid, you're bound to have a really rough set at these shows. That's what's yeah. interesting. It's um, when you're teaching um, a course in comedy and there's a performance at the end of the session, at the end of, that, let's just say, eight weeks, on that ninth week is the show, you know, if this was a piano teacher and it was a recital or if it was like a dance, if I was a dance teacher or teaching like tap and then there was a recital, if you're a person going to that show, you sit there, you watch, and then when it's over, you clap, and then when your kid comes off stage, you go, you were the best, you were great, you're so great, even if you weren't. The problem with stand-up comedy is these kids will go up there and do their material, and if it doesn't strike the audience as funny in the moment, they won't laugh. It's really tough to feign laughter. Yeah, I uh, do tell them to. Yeah, of course. I do say, and that works fake laugh. a little bit. And it's not like these kids don't do well. Uh, most of the time they do because they're Sometimes very talented. Sometimes they bomb, though. But there are times <laughs> where they don't. And then this kid's working for something for so long, they get off stage and they have they look, they have a 10 mile stare going. Yeah. And you just got to look at the kid and go, hey, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Later, yeah. loser. <laughs> and you walk away. Um, it's, a, it's a tough environment to be in. But I think Ashley and I do the best job that you possibly could at a job like this so if your kids need tutoring and comedy <laughs> you let us know email us at realityblowspodcast at gmail.com I do really enjoy the job yeah. I do enjoy getting to know these kids because they are very smart and with it and for the most part good kids yeah no I, I love the children that we yeah. get to teach um, I'd like to before we end this up top portion I just mm-hmm. want to get to a couple of my hairdressers thoughts yeah let's go back to that okay so she really hates Johnny this season and this she, season exactly oh yeah because she kind of liked john i remember her liking johnny i remember um her liking zach zach that's yeah. right yeah yeah she is mm-hmm. a different viewer than i am yeah sure she's a different viewer than we are in this house and she doesn't like johnny at all this season why and she said this, she's like he's dead weight he's not doing anything and he's not he's not bringing anything he's not even really sort of it doesn't even seem like he's politicking now me on the other hand i'm watching this and being like Every single move that is happening, Johnny is behind. Right, I know. And that is sort of our theory here, specifically your theory. And I even went as far as to say maybe even last episode or the episode, the last recap or the recap beforehand that I kind of like Johnny on this season based on the fact that he's not hiding the fact that uh, he doesn't like the people on his team and he has his own alliance. And I almost agree with the hairdresser in that he isn't really politicking. He's just kind of putting his cards on the table. It's almost like he's over it. Yeah. With the, listen, we all know who I am. We all know what this game is. So let's just stop being idiots. and Let's stop being uh, polite and start getting real. Yeah. Um, And uh, Johnny was getting real by by letting everybody know, listen, you're Team Wes. I don't like you. I'm Team Johnny. I like me. Mm -hmm. So uh, you do your thing. I do my thing. And then we'll see whose horse rides at the end, I believe (laughs) is his uh, quote or something like that. 
um, uh, that was for the Ninja Natalie uh, episode, I believe. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm I don't obviously I'm I don't ride with Johnny. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I respect him a little bit more than I have in in previous seasons based on his honesty. She finds him to be dead weight this season. Interesting. And um, she, what else? Any other? Uh... Yeah, I got I got three more um, observations from her. She also she agreed with me though about the Nani Polly situation. She did not, um, you know, that had been sort of built up that like Polly like was going to do something bad to Nani, and then you watch it and you're like, oh, Nani is just kind of being a dick in this situation yeah she was a little fired up yeah she tells him to shut the fuck up and he goes you shut the fuck up and then she goes who are you telling to shut the fuck up and it's like you he's telling you you just told him to shut the fuck up i also watched an interview with nani on some people magazine web series talk show thing something and uh nani uh, had not not one good thing to say about cara maria and, and really had said that like i i liked cara when she came into the game she was great now the past few seasons i don't like her her and paulie I'm, I'm just not into it i don't think cara is a good person in real life damn she was saying so honestly that probably informed how she was speaking to Polly and that whole altercation and uh altogether, right? I mean Well my my hairdresser Megan, Meg for sure. What up Meg? If you're in the know, she said that uh, she thought Nani was doing it to get some camera time because Nani hasn't provided anything to the house. And I was like, why doesn't Nani just hook up with somebody? <laughs> yeah, that is her move. That's now, her I, move. No, I'll tell you what, I I don't I don't I, I respectively disagree with uh, mm-hmm. Megan. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like she was fired up based on that crazy elimination. Yeah. And uh, she has her alliance and she realizes that somebody else in another alliance was acting like an asshole. I mean, if, we, if that was right before you have uh, Ashley kind of losing her mind and, and yeah. quitting and uh, throwing her helmet. And right so, after. Yeah. yeah, it was it was there was a lot of uh, craziness that was going on in that. And I think it was kind of more heat of the moment stuff. But uh, just feelings about uh, Polly and pro- possibly by proxy Carmaria just popping out in the moment. I mean, this is the challenge, folks. I mean, it's a war of the worlds out there. Better watch out. I brought up the fact that I am confused about Tori this season. Yeah. Tori Deal about how all of her interviews feel really misplaced and they're all like negative about other people. Um, no interviews where Tori's really talking about herself or her her relationship with Jordan. I mean, kind of in the beginning, there was like a mention of it, but th- not really seeing much of Tori unless it's an interview where she's saying something negative. Yeah, the only thing that we got from her talking about Jordan was the fact that she mentioned that they were dating and that Jordan didn't pick her for like the uh, tribunal the tribunal thing. Yeah, and she said, Meg was like, I love Tori, I love Tori. You know, like was very quick to say that. And I was like, I do too. But I don't love Tori on this season so far. Like, as a person, sure, Tori's great. On this season, her game is being messed up. And I think it's because she's there with Jordan. Yeah. I can't figure out what's going on, but I'm not a huge fan. Next thing is the Laurel elimination. Mm. Okay, spoiler alert. I guess I should have said that. Yeah, spoiler alert from a few episodes ago. But if you don't know that, get up on it. Yeah. And check out our recaps. They pop off uh, early Thursday morning. And like I said in our last uh, show, our recaps are just like an audio book. So you can watch (laughs) a drama unfold one episode at a time. Yes. And sometimes we just break into 1984. It's sometimes the book. Yeah. The book. I got it. Oh, You looked at me like you didn't get it. All right, Mario. I got it. I got it. I can see you just trying to put dots together right now. Here's the thing with the Laura elimination. And this is the um, kind of this was the 
example I used when we were talking about it. When you're playing the NCAA championship, okay, and the team that's down one point gets the ball in the last 30 seconds, shoots a shot that's not going to go in, but it does. It goes in, bringing them to be the winners of the NCAA. The the uh, shot clock goes off. The, the game buzzer goes off, right? All right. this goes off. <laughs> I'm following. Then everyone's like, yeah, but he... He traveled mm-hmm. in that before to get that shot. He traveled, and everyone's like, "Yeah, the game's over, though. Yeah. The game's over." That's what the air horn feels like. Producers came out, they checked, they sounded the air horn. Laurel thought it was over. Yeah. So you know, it should have been. I'm now the more information I'm learning, the more I I don't think that Laurel should have won. But I think there should have been a rematch. There should have been another go at it. Uh, yeah. You know, I was against Laurel while watching that episode. But uh, when I started seeing her interview, her kind of next day Instagrams and stuff, I started to see what she meant when she explained it. So I'm a little less against her. But I think the outcome was what should have happened. Mm. Um, also, she was being teed up as being a villain those past couple episodes, in my opinion. So I didn't necessarily hate it that she was going home. I thought it was a wild time. Yeah. Uh, Yes, but uh, uh, yeah, catch up on the challenge, folks. It's it's a really a a fantastic, fantastic season. And on that note, should we talk about... I have one more thing to say. Is that okay with you? Yeah, I love when you have things to say, babe. (laughs) Is that sarcastic? No. So um, I just want to talk about uh, something non-reality, but but on TV that I'm like super addicted to right now. And, um, or my new thing, uh, uh, we watch uh, most of our stuff off of a Roku and the Roku has a whole bunch of fun apps that you can watch things on an app that you don't need any subscription for. And you can just watch. And there's like very light commercials is an app called shout factory. Shout factory, um, puts out DVDs. A lot of old television DVDs, um, will they'll, they'll find a show that's kind of out of print. That was like a cult classic maybe. And then they kind of package it and do like fun interviews and and and. What do you mean DVDs? You know, you've never heard of a DVD before. You're saying they do DVDs on the Roku? No, but this is what Shout Factory is. They oh, make like the company. Let's itself. just say, if you have you ever heard of Criterion Collection? Yes, I get it's it. It's kind now. of like that for almost like cult TV shows yes. and some movies. A lot of like old sci-fi stuff. As a matter of fact, they seem to have bought all of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Cool. And so, like, stuff like that that people, you just never could get on DVD, they will make DVDs of it and sell it on their website and stores and stuff. And I was a big fan of this company just because I like a lot of this stuff. And I kind of was perusing the app, which has a huge selection of stuff that they put on this, uh, put out as DVDs. And there is a show on there that I've wanted to watch since I decided I love comedy. Um, and that is a show called Fridays and Fridays, if you've never heard of it, which it's totally understandable if you haven't, because it's never been anywhere ever is a, uh, show that was basically built for ABC to kind of not compete with SNL, but to copy it in 1980 and 1981, there was like two seasons of it and, uh, same format. You, it's a ske- live sketch comedy show, and uh, instead of there being a host, um, it's just the cast. There is no people hosting it, but they do have a musical guest, and the, and the show was supposed to be 
more subversive. Um, it came live from Los Angeles. It was it's very LA as New York is as I hope everybody knows is as uh, SNL is uh, very New York as I hope everybody knows. Um, and uh, the cast of this show um, is pretty wild. I'll, I'll spare you from some of the people who I was excited to see that you may not know. But, like, the lead person on this show is Michael Richards, a.k.a. Kramer. Mm. And this is way before Seinfeld. Mm. Seinfeld premiered in, like, 89 or 90. Mm -hmm. This is 1980. Um, It's around the time, a few years, I guess, before he did UHF. Did you ever see UHF? No. That's the Weird Al movie about the television network. Um, He plays... Uh, an amazing character on that but there are so many sketches and fun things you get to see michael richards do and they're just kind of like lost in time that's cool uh and the other and maybe more notable person but same universe is one of the leads of the show or one of the cast members of the show is larry david of curb your enthusiasm and seinfeld fame is creating. he acting yeah he's and one, writing um he's one he's a writer a lot of these people's uh i look through the credits a lot of the actors kind of uh, wrote some stuff but yeah he's one of the writers but he's definitely one of the main cast members and you get to see like a young quote-unquote young Larry David even though he looks pretty old it's just that his hair is brown instead of white but That's same wild. same male pattern baldness going on and it's incredible to watch him acting in sketches because if you're a fan of Curb Your Enthusiasm, that's basically, it seems to be his life. And yeah. he's just, it's his id coming out that he kind of scripts. And it's also a little improv on that show, I think, too. Or a lot of improv, whatever. I don't want to get into it. But you get to see him be uncomfortable in ske- live sketches on TV. Wow. And the other thing is you get to see a lot of like, like he played, I don't, I don't um, Ashley, you're a fan of, of Seinfeld, but. I don't know if you know that there was a character on Seinfeld called George Steinbrenner. Yeah. Who George Steinbrenner. He's a lawyer or something, right? He's the owner of the New York Yankees. And he's actually the owner of the New York Yankees. Um, And uh, he played, this is the one character that Larry David played on Seinfeld was George Steinbrenner, but you only saw him from the back. And that's when George would come in, George Costanza, because he worked for the Yankees for a bunch of those seasons. You would hear Larry David's voice, but I'm also going to challenge you here with your Seinfeld knowledge. I'm going to say that Larry David also played a lawyer that wore a cape. Yes, he did. (laughs) Such a good, yeah, yeah, that's such a good episode too. You're right. Um, But it's fun every so often, because Larry's not the best actor in the world. He yeah. does Larry really well, but he's got like one or two modes yeah. as most people would. Um, and I would say one of his modes is George Steinbrenner, like that voice. George, this is what I'm doing. I'm over here. This is how I'm talking. And he does that in like 14 different sketches, yeah. but playing different characters. And he has so far the one sketch that I thought was really real. I've watched six episodes of the show one sketch that I'm actually have thought about a few times and it's a Larry David sketch where he's the lead. And the whole sketch is um, Larry plays a plastic surgeon who can, um, he's known for changing people to make them look like famous people. And one of the other cast members comes in and asks that he wants to look exactly like Howdy Doody. You know who Howdy Doody is? No. He's like the, he's like the quintessential puppet with the red hair, Mm -hmm. with the freckles. That's Howdy Doody. There was a, a program on many many yes. years ago of Howdy Doody and he wants to look like Howdy Doody and this guy makes him look like Howdy Doody and it's 
Then after he turns him into Howdy Doody, it's a bunch of vignettes of this guy as Howdy Doody walking around Los Angeles in the places where people are like treating him like crap until he turns around and they see that he looks like Howdy Doody. And then it's everybody going, oh, sorry, Mr. Doody. Come here, Mr. Doody. <laughs> and it's just like people hate him until they figure out it's Howdy Doody. And it just turns out like it was a great choice when you would think that turning yourself into Howdy Doody, you wouldn't get any respect at all. It's a very funny sketch. Um, so if you guys have Roku or maybe it's on you know you should also tell them though that that's the only funny sketch because i watched a sketch <laughs> of that show and it was so bad that i did i bailed on this what, adventure what with was you. it what was it it was you guys know how like uh, the the classic trope of a man and a wife at a restaurant and like the wife's being picky she doesn't want to eat there she doesn't like the food and then the husband keeps being like stop being so picky just eat you know that trope Okay, it was that, but at the Night of the Living Dead diner. Oh, yes. And, you know, I read some... Um, uh, something Hold on. I, I've been Before reading. Before you say what you read, the Night of the Dead Living Diner meant that they were just serving body parts. So the wife was like, I don't want to eat this. I want to go. And the husband was like, just eat. And, and the, everybody working there was a zombie. And then they he ate a foot. He ate a foot. Now, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. I was reading some interviews about yeah. uh, Fridays um, that... Wow, retrospectives. You, did a deep, you went yeah, a deep dive. I want to know about it because it's crazy that it's kind of lost to history. Yeah. Um, and that lost that sketch lost them a shit ton of sponsors. What? Yep. And then the next week on the show during the news piece, because of course they have like their own weekend update. Um, it's called you know the Friday edition, I believe. Oh my um, goodness. And that uh, they kind of comment on it in like a subversive, fun way. Um, Why did that lose them sponsors? I guess because it was so gross and disgusting. Oh. You know, it was 1980 or something. Yeah, so, they're like, oh. I mean, it was also a horrible sketch. Um, the it other was thing, so bad. the woman that is the news anchor on the show, mm-hmm. man, I can't remember her name. She's so good on the show, and and I, I I really like her. And I was like, I recognize this person from somewhere. I recognize this person. Who is this person? And then I went on IMDb. She plays Dee Dee Pickles, uh, among a bunch of other characters, um, as the voice of Rugrats. So like in oh. nineteen in nineteen ninety, she snagged the like one of the main roles in Rugrats, wow. and, and to, now she's to a this day is doing Dee Dee Pickles, and like. 50 other that's what happens when you're on one of these shows at least back in the day like if you do a main character you probably do 700 other characters on that yeah. show and so she's just been Dee Dee Pickles forever and ever and ever she's had some other what I recognized her from is she plays um one of course uh one of Jerry's girlfriends in Seinfeld yeah uh, um so much Seinfeld by the way the guys who the the in the writing room um a bunch of main writers from Seinfeld in that writing room and also the guy who directed Borat and Bruno and a bunch of other things was just a staff writer on that show wow so it's like this was the first stepping stone to so many people who became like huge um comedy writers actors creators uh from there uh and it's interesting they just wanted to copy SNL and they did a pretty good job copying now the one other note that kind of sets this apart, in my opinion, from SNL is the musical guests. Um, it, it's n- let's not forget this first season's eighty, eighty one, something like that. The Clash, 
Devo, all of these really great acts that you just now, didn't get. Now, they were on SNL. I don't know that they were. I'm pretty sure they were. Um, but uh, it was, and there, I mean, you got to see The Clash perform London Calling. That's and you got awesome. To, and uh, Gates of Steel, uh, which is my favorite Devo song of all time. That's and very cool. Just great performances, super live, super fun. So do Fridays, they, check are it they, out. Do they have a celebrity host? No, they did not. Okay, so that's the only difference. But what they would do for the monologue is one of the cast members would come out and do do like an anti-comedy bit and oh. then they would and then the director would go over the pa and be like hey hey uh cast member cast member could you stop doing this and start this show uh. and then they would start the show and it was actually fucking awesome to see because those bits are subversive. really weird they are subversive also all of those sketches are like anti-establishment anti-corporation mm. sketches um, real, they were going for sort of a more punk rock feel. And that's why they lost their sponsors. And that's why they lost their sponsors. Um, okay, folks, let's take a break right now. When we come back, uh, Ashley and I, as we said before, we binged the entire season one and only season at the moment of uh, Dating Around, which is uh, streaming on Netflix right now. It's a pretty easy binge, half-hour episode, six episodes plus a seven-minute featurette of a Where Are They Now? And uh, we crushed the whole thing the past couple of days, and we can't wait to talk about it. So stick around. We'll be right back. Folks, we're back. And we are talking about Dating Around, which is on Netflix. It dropped on Valentine's Day of 2019. God, we slept so hard on this. We really did. This was something that we looked at like around then and just never got around to it. I think probably because we are inundated with dating shows. And I was like, probably don't need this one. We watch so much stuff, Nick and I. And uh, it's got to come at us hard to get our attention. Otherwise, we forget it. The trailer looked cool. But we forgot about it. And then about a couple weeks ago, I was at a show. I was talking to a comedian named Julia Shiplett. We were talking TV, like I like to do, folks. Um, I convinced her to watch Are You the One? She's not a, a reality television watcher. A lot of times I talk to people and they're not a reality television watcher. They seem um, surprised that I am. And then they tell me one show that they've watched recently that is a reality television show. And I'll say nine times out of ten, I end up loving that show. Because there's usually more merit than just the fact that it's a reality show, which is kind of the only criteria we look at. Exactly. And she was like, you got to watch Dating Around. It's on Netflix. And I was like, oh, you know what? Nick and I meant to watch that. I'll bring it up with him. So uh, we we started it. We, we checked it out. We uh, started the old show. Immediately pulled into the very simple concept of the show, which is perfect. You take one person and they go on a series of five blind dates. And at the end of that, they pick one person out of those five to go on a second date with. It's all in the same spot. It's all in the same bar afterwards. It's all the same. It's the same deal over and over again. And and they do that so they can cut in between each date. You're yes. not watching one date at a time. They're spliced together. They're spliced together. And it was it was so beautifully edited. It was beautifully shot. It was simple. And it was done well. And so No feels- narration, no talking heads or interviews. You're just in on the date. You get a little narration up top from someone who knows the person who's about to go on a date. It'll be like, my friend Nick is a really good guy, and he just can't find a good girl, you know? And Damn then straight. You, what? What? <laughs> then you see him. <laughs> Old titty man over here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm clarifying. No. I'm clarifying that I call you titty man because you like tits, not because you have them. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> 
<laughs> when you're we paused, right. when you're we right. paused the pod, you're right. He, I I scolded him for saying "f you" to me earlier, and then he said, "Yeah, well, you you told everybody that you call me Titty Man. They're gonna think that you're being mean to me, and it's about the fact that uh, I have tits." My grandmother like, listens to this. I don't call you Titty Man because of your tits. I call you Titty Man because you like tits. And that's not true, guys. I hate tits. <laughs> All right, back to one. So, all right, so yes, this is a brilliant... Catch yourself together, Ash. You think you're so funny over there, clarifying Titty Man. I'm laughing at the fact that now your family knows that you are officially Titty Man (laughs) because you love jugs. How dare you? Anyway, this show is honestly a brilliant concept. I guess they could have called it Blind Date, but that's already a show. Um, And it really tells you that Blind Date, you don't really actually get to see a fun date at all on that show ever when it was on. And you also, um, there's no goofy shit going on with like like thought bubbles and like uh, writers making fun of these people. You are just basically sitting there on a blind date with two complete strangers and i don't think i've ever seen a more honest and real depiction of what it's like to go on a first date with somebody you've never met before Mm. ashley Mm. it was perfect yeah it really was and especially with um there were uh i think it's three men and three women um and a a a gay person in each of those groups right Yes, there was a gay man and a gay woman. Yeah, okay. So for the two straight women, when they were dating these like freaking circus freaks of men that they had to date on this show, and there's a couple of them that are just shockingly bad, I was having I I was having horrible flashbacks to bad dates I've been on when I first when I dated in my twenties before I settled down with my life partner. Um, you know him. Titty man. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it's just, it's so interesting. Like, can you tell, Nick, for me, the the girls that the guys are dating are not as horrifying as the guys that the girls are dating. The, the, the guys that the girls are dating, I mean, they, it went wrong. Multiple went, times. It, multiple times on both, on both of the straight women dates. And yeah. that is because men in general, it's straight hard. Straight men. Straight men. Yeah. In general, it's hard to, do, to have blind dates as a woman with straight men. Yeah. Because they will, they, oof, it is. Dropping red flags left and right. It's yeah. like those um, jelly beans from Harry Potter where you bite into it and it's puke, you know? Yeah, like but you sometimes never know. it's a booger and it tastes good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it really brought back some bad, bad uh, first dates I had. Can I tell you one? That sure, I had? yeah, totally. I met this guy, and it's not really a blind date, but it was a, um, it, we had met at a party, and I was 24, and I had just moved to New York, and he he was he was a grad student who was an architect, and he looked a little bit older than me, but he was a grad student, so I, I, I pinned him at like 27, and he kept talking, like he would use language like, you know, like people our age, or like this generation, or, or you know, he talked about us being the same age a lot, and then we went on a date, and at the date, he told me he was um, 40, <laughs> and I was 24, and I had told him I was 24 right away, and I just remember, and I got... 
upset at this date that we were on because I felt he had misled me. Mm -hmm. And then he got upset with me and he got like really defensive and was saying that like 24 and 40 are like basically the same. (laughs) And I was like, we're in completely different generational groups, you know? And I was like, and you misled me. You talked about people as like, um, you talked about us as if we belonged in the same age age group or age range. And so I never saw him again. So it just was reminding me of like situations like that. Did you get out of that date like some of these women did where they just kind of got up and left or somebody or was did it end that way or did you finish the date? I finished the date but I was very vocal about I was like that's weird that you did that I was like I gotta tell you right away that makes me uncomfortable and Mm. he was like it and then he just kind of was like you know he got defensive and then we kind of went back and forth and he was like it's just a misunderstanding it's just a misunderstanding yeah but I didn't like go on a walk with him after the date and some of these dates triggered you in that way yeah it just reminded me of like it's really scary out there yeah and and just scary meaning like there are uh, are people men are strange i guess is what i'm trying to say <laughs> so okay let's go through each one of these dates in the order that they came up i mean we're not going to you know talk about every aspect of them but maybe just thoughts on on the main dater and and some of the highlights uh, who do we got first we got luke luke 27 southern boy he's good looking he's polite he's, he's charming he seems to be rich Seems to be rich. He's a he's in real estate. Yeah, everyone on the show seemed to be rich. All of the main daters seem to be rich. Some of the dates, yeah, um, seem like they maybe were living more normalized lives yeah. in New York City. Yeah, um, I do want to mention that if you like New York City, specifically Brooklyn, if you live there, this is a fun show to watch because you'll notice that these people are just hanging out in Brooklyn the whole time. Yeah, you're like. We've eaten there. <laughs> and it does not look that good in person. Yeah, it's like, wow, stage lighting changes things. For real. They must have set these entire restaurants up and 100%. bars with, with lighting because the glow was so perfect yeah. like on people's faces. It was yeah. pretty brilliant. Yeah, the shots were incredible. So Luke, I kind of liked Luke. I'll I be honest. Luke. I did too. Um, and I thought Luke was a good dater. I, yes. It seems to me that Luke may, that these may have not been Luke's first first dates if you know what i mean it seems like maybe luke dates a lot he was comfortable seemed comfortable he was charming he was very good looking yeah but he wasn't too much no he ran the risk of being too much sure but he just really let these um his dates put their personalities out there and i really liked that about luke and he kind of yes ended their personalities yes to Mm -hmm. the point where i was not sure I, i would say this was the hardest choice um, for me to think who, who they were going to go with. I guess it was also the first episode I didn't understand the format exactly. I guessed everyone correctly. You love saying this. I want that to be this. known. You I want that to be known. This. I guessed who everybody was going to pick. Yeah, correctly. but you also look at spoilers quite a bit, so I can't ever trust you. I, there's no spoilers on dating around, babe. Yes, there are. You could have totally found out who they chose. Interesting. Well, I did. Okay. How, what do you think about that? I believe you. I did look for Sarah's lipstick color, and all I right. could not find that. But we'll so, get to her later. So, Luke, um, I would say that all the women were pretty taken by Luke's uh, uh, looks. Yeah. Wouldn't you think they kind yeah. of all sort of seemed to kind of melt in the in the in the way of like, oh, this guy's handsome. I didn't expect this guy to be handsome. He's just as your classic all American kind of white man looking dude. Yeah, but if you were in real estate and lived in New York City, yeah, um, not and, my type to be honest and honestly one of the women called him out on that like being one of those guys like oh you really are a real estate guy aren't you oh yeah he got a little defensive yeah He's like, I-, I guess yeah sure whatever whatever that means it's yeah. like slick back hair really nice suit white I-, <laughs> I knew he was gonna pick the blonde 
There was a blonde, and I knew that he was going to pick her because she was also kind of Southern, and she was kind of... I just know these people. Like, I grew up with this type of people, and it's like she was, like, bubbly and and blonde, but also kind of, like, girlish, and I could just tell that she was hitting all the right buttons. I would say that bubbly isn't a good... It wouldn't... She was a joke cracker. She was cracking jokes the entire time. That's a little different than bubbly. I think bubbly makes you feel, uh, makes it more like airheady. Was she cracking jokes? I think she was. She thought she was so funny. She was putting it on <laughs> she, for sure. She thought, and she wouldn't stop. Like that was her whole thing. Like yeah. she was like a nonstop like joke master. We. She was not a joke she master. She was a joke master. <laughs> I did. I did expect her to say she was an improviser. Right. She did seem like a level two improviser. But she wasn't a joke master. Well, she wasn't slang, she was, slanging jokes, but she, she was, was bubbly in the sense that she was effervescent sure yeah yeah and uh, you thought he was gonna pick the um the dark-haired sort of cold woman there was an icy woman with an icy demeanor up front and, and i then... just said the reason nick was <laughs> gonna thought that luke was gonna pick her yeah. is because that's the woman nick would pick what do you t- i picked you no i picked you oh. <laughs> <laughs> i picked you well listen um Th- this woman had an icy demeanor, and it made Nick made likes this cold guy, brunette. It made this guy want to work for it a little bit, and then no, it didn't. He didn't pick her. It didn't make him want to work for it. And then she kind of melted a little bit. Uh, the icy demeanor melted a little You're bit. You're projecting. And then, uh, I'm just saying. <laughs> Why do you like cold brunettes so much? I wait, what? Where is the evidence that I like cold brunettes? I just know your type. <laughs> you don't know. You my like type. cold brunettes with big jugs. <laughs> Listen, I like J Lo. Is that what you think J Lo is? I just know you. You, you like don't cold know me. brunettes. Clear. I like cold brew. Everybody knows that. I'm a cold brew boy. Listen, I just thought that that's who he was going to pick. I really did. I, I I was a little annoyed by the bubbly blonde. Yeah, I was annoyed uh, by her t- too, t- but t- I bit. knew that he was going to pick her. And what it were you annoyed by? The fact that that's who you would have been in that series of dates? Oh, I guess I would have been her. Interesting. Yeah, yeah I'm yep. like, oh, Ashley picked herself. Mm, yeah. That's funny. That's me. So, um, yes, uh, the Luke dates were interesting. I would say the highlight of the Luke dates is she he went on a date with a uh, quote-unquote Jersey girl. Uh, I loved her. And, uh, yes, she was quite entertaining. By the way, folks, if you don't like to see people eat food on TV, maybe this one's not for you. I will say, and before we, okay, you're bringing up the food issue, so I just want to talk about it. Um, I don't like watching people eat food. That was the biggest drawback of the show. And in a couple of episodes, we're going to talk about an elderly coupling, okay? We got, in, a, in a couple of moments, In a couple episodes. of moments, yeah. Um, we're going to talk about uh, people, seniors, who were, who were going on these blind dates. And these seniors were eating oysters. They had old people on television slurping down oysters. Folks, old people eating oysters on TV should be illegal. I couldn't believe it. I was like, who greenlit this part? Seriously. Um. So, yeah, the food thing was weird, and the Jersey girl was all about eating with her mouth open. Yeah, she was like, you got to let your lips smack, and that helps you taste the food better. And, uh, you know, God love Luke, because he really accepted this woman yeah. and really made it seem like that she was up for picking yeah. uh, at the end of this date. Well, they had a hot makeout session. They had a hot makeout session. She had lip injections, you know, the whole thing. Now, yeah. I, I will say that her kind of uh, eating with her mouth open thing, there's something to that. In that it, she's right. She's aerating the yeah. food and you actually can taste it better, I yeah. think. I, think I was that makes eating sense. pad thai while she was saying that and I was trying it and she's right. <laughs> she's right. And uh, I, the, the thing that was kind of annoying me is she kept saying stuff like, I am who I am and I don't apologize for it. I like to eat food. I like to be messy. She I don't should like... have just said that once. Yes, once. You it know, just... 
It reminded me of last week on the challenge, actually, when Ashley Mitchell brought up the fact that she was a millionaire again. Mm -hmm. The first time she did that on War of the Worlds, when she threw down in front of Theo and she yeah. said, don't fuck with me. I'm a millionaire. I'll pick you and and, and, and lose on mm -hmm. purpose. So we both lose. I don't need this. I'm a millionaire. That was iconic. The second time she says it last week on the challenge, it felt bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't like. I didn't like that. Uh, and that's how I felt about this Jersey yeah, girl. Yeah, yeah. When I, she's saying I am who I am, I mm -hmm. eat with my mouth open. I do loud stuff. I'm, you know, all of that. I was like, yes, I love it. The third time she's doing it, I'm like, okay, so you're insecure about who you are. So you got that Jersey girl. Who are the other dates that were the options in that? Do you remember? Not really. Not really. Yeah. So, oh yes, there was a girl that was late uh -huh. for, for the dinner. She yeah, late, even, she, late for the open. So basically, every episode they meet at a restaurant, they have a drink at the bar, then their table is ready, they have a meal together, then they usually walk from that bar and have like a romantic stroll to like an after hour uh, or like a secondary bar to have like a nightcap, then back into the limo to go home. And not everybody makes it past all those steps. Yeah. So there was a woman that was late um, and they didn't seem like they connected really. It was probably because they missed that opening date, the opening drink part. Yeah, the whole thing just felt off and, after that. And as we were saying, this is the first episode. I didn't know how this, this was sort of formatted. And as she was, they were walking to the next spot, like this woman was just basically like, yeah, I'm not too sure if we're clicking. And the guy's like, yeah, that's fine. And she's like, okay, I'm going to call a cab. And then he just walked away yeah. and then she called the cab and yeah. waited for it by herself. And I was like, whoa, that was abrupt and real. And I, I didn't know how to handle it. There was a lot more of that, though. So I got used to it, kind of. Um, there was a woman who had been married before. Remember? In, in Luke's episode? Yeah, who didn't speak, um, who didn't fully right, speak English. Right, right, Or she spoke English well, but she seemed a little insecure about the fact that she wasn't, uh, had didn't fully speak English. Yes, yes. And she, which was kind of charming, but also like maybe a red flag where like, I would say halfway through the date, she didn't know his name. Yeah. But that's, that's right. tough. It's tough when you're just meeting somebody. I mean, these clearly were real blind dates. And she was definitely the hottest. I think we can agree. Yeah, maybe. Um, okay. What Besides we the cold brunette. Okay. Coming up next mm -hmm. is Gurky. Gurky. Boy, this one was a toughie, huh? <sighs> I really liked Gurky. I want her to have her own show. Yeah, Gurky was cool. Gurky um, had been married before. Yeah. Um, she came from a traditional Indian family, and so she felt pressure to get married to her college boyfriend. It didn't work out. She was divorced. Um, she's 36, and I think she got divorced when she was 30 is what she said. Um, she dated, there was a few guys on her date that were cool. There, there was one guy that Nick and I had a crush on, basically. Who? Which guy was the that? The SWAT officer that we wanted oh, her to pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a SWAT guy, um, and then there was a guy who I can't. There was like some kind of bland sort of white guy. Then there was this guy Manny who was like mm -hmm. who was much younger than her, but um, twenty seven. But they found out that they had a kinship in the fact that he also had been married prior mm -hmm. and got married very young. Um, and he was kind of the silly, funny, goofy guy. They had fun. They had fun. She Thank called... God Gurky got something from yeah. that. Because what happens to her at the end of the episode was 
shocking. Yeah, she did call that guy Manny a goofball in the limo, and I thought yeah. that was kind of mean to do to him. Oh, why? Because he was being goofy, but it would be better if you were just like, oh my God, you're like funny and charming and I like you. Not like, you're a goofball. Like yeah. That's what you say to your friend, your little brother, or something like that. That is true. And then there was a guy who oh. was kind of like an alpha, shitty, blonde guy with I think a beard. his name was Jake or I John or something. Cares? Just your classic throwaway sort of alpha white guy they seem to be hitting it off a at little at first. first and then they go to the second drink no spot. before they go to the second drink spot we learn at dinner that jake slash john had forced his ex-girlfriend to get rid of her cat yeah and you that can, was horrendous you can see gurky kind of look at him you can i i felt gurky was taking that in saw that as a red flag yeah. I sure as hell did. You know Gurky had a couple of cats at home. You yeah. know that. She's, Gurky did seem like a cat lady. So, she said, and I was like, oh, that's a horrible thing to say. Okay. And then they move to the second date spot uh, where they go to the, some, some other bar. And they're talking. And they're starting to talk about marriage and stuff. And they talk about the fact that uh, Gurky says that she was married before. And this guy doesn't take it well. On top of that... Also finds out that Gurky's parents had an arranged marriage. I think that happened at dinner. That he found out her parents had an arranged marriage, and he was very judgmental. Super, of it. like he was like, "Whoa, that's weird." And he and during this date, he started being like, "Is that an Indian thing?" Like he was kind of throwing weird uh, things around. It was like, "Oh, this guy's fucking awful." And Gurky was honest with him about her marriage. I I found Gurky's bravery on this show to be really refreshing because she was like. He was like, when did you know it wasn't going to work? And she was like, when I was walking down the aisle, basically, like w before we got married, I knew because but I did it anyway because of like tradition and responsibility. And I thought that's what I was supposed to do. And like my parents made it work and they didn't even know each other before they got married, you know. And so she she had been honest with him and then he used that against her. So the rift happened when. This guy, Jake John, or whatever his name is, decided to say, like, you know, when you fall in love with somebody, it's kind of, you're kind of losing a piece of yourself. And then Gurky says, I'm totally on the end of the spectrum of that, uh, of the other end. I, I don't think that at all. I think really when you like meet somebody and you fall in love with them, it makes you more of a person rather than less of a person. Yeah. And basically, this guy internalized that as her saying that, like, you're an asshole or like, you know, insulting him. And he got really like red flag defensive mm -hmm. and started, he's like, what do you, what would you know? Like you strung some guy along. Like you, you lied. wasted eight years of your life. You lied before you, you lied, lied in front of him. your family and your yeah. friends. And he just like, and she's like, what is happening right now? She remained calm. She's like, what is happening right now is a culture clash. Like yeah. I'm trying to tell you that the position I was in uh, involves a lot of tradition and expectations. And I was going along with what I felt was right. And what my family was telling me was right. Even though I had reservations and he's like how could anyone trust you you're a liar how could anyone trust you yeah it was kind of scary it was upsetting and then she says something like well since this is the last time that we'll ever see each other and then you know he goes oh, i'm not gonna handle this and then he just gets up and walks out thank god he walks out uh super weird and this is like i was like oh man this this show like 
is kind of incredible yeah. that they're showing us this. Yeah. Um, and that we just have to kind of live in it as she did, as yeah. Gurky did. So well edited. Yeah. I can't I, I can't stress that enough. This was a, a well done show. So at the end of the Gurky episode, like uh, what we've seen established in the Luke episode is they, uh, it's like the next day or yeah. some further time in the future. It's during the day and you see your main dater kind of walking down some street in New York City and they kind of look around and in the Luke case, looked around and, fa- and all of a sudden the blonde kind of was walking across the street and he met her gave her a little kiss and they were like oh this is gonna be fun that we're gonna go to this park and do this fun thing because we're on a second date now and that's how you find out who they pick so there's like a little like you know drum roll please during this and then you see the face in the Gurky episode she's like we find out that she's a buyer for like Barney's or something like that yeah and so she's going inside of like little boutiques she's shopping and shopping and has like a bunch of bags and I'm like okay so it's like she gonna go meet hand these bags to an one of these men i thought it was gonna be manny yeah um and then what happens is she walks out of the second store and like a guy walks by her on the sidewalk and she kind of like has like a lot of she's got a big strut like you know Mm -hmm. she's real confident and the guy turns around and checks her out he she checks him out and then a second guy walks by her and he turns around checks her out and then she checks him out and then like a big smile and then just walks off and it fades to black and it's like whoa Gurky didn't choose anybody on these on this date, but they still stylized it and made you feel okay. Like that's fine. She's doing her thing. She's living her life. Life goes on. Gurky's clearly okay. Learning experience. We're allowed to feel okay that she didn't pick somebody. I w- yeah, I did feel like it was it was wrapped up nicely. I would like to know why she didn't pick the SWAT guy. And can we hang out with him? What's his Instagram handle? She got his Instagram handle at the end. I like the SWAT guy, but I understand. You tell somebody that like, hey, uh, if we date every night, you're going to be worrying if I'm going to get shot up in some sort of a crack house. Like, you know what I mean? That's that's a a tough pressure. That's a lot of pressure, you know? And she was, uh, you know, she's a fashion person. She's not necessarily in that life. So, Um, okay. So what uh, was our third episode dates? Our third episode after that was Lex. Good old uh, uh, James Dean looking Dude. stylized Lex. Lex had style. So I was so happy that they they went to a gay um, episode because yeah. I was like wondering how much representation this show had. And it turns out it has a ton. And honestly, this is probably true for a lot of guys like myself. I don't know what it's like to be on a date with a gay man. I've never, I would say I learned things on these gay dates about what it would be like. Why are you laughing at that? Why are you laughing at that? Titty man can't say he learned something on a gay date. <laughs> it's just the way you said it. You were making such intense eye contact with me. Well, I'm being, I'm opening myself up here. Yeah, I like it. Keep going. I didn't know what it was like to be on a gay date. Never been on a gay date before. Never been on a date with another man. Um, and this is your quintessential how-to on what it would be like to date in a gay situation, in a blind date situation. I didn't, because in each one of these dates, what came up was the story on how these people came out. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, people must 
bond over that yeah. in this situation because it's something that they immediately have in common when a person like me has to ask a, a woman if she likes rap. Like, that's what I have to do. Like, right. talk about music. Like, yeah. hey, did you watch SNL last week? Like, I don't have, like, an immediate touchstone. It's not like, so tell me how you lost your virginity. Right. How did your family react? Exactly. Yeah. And you wouldn't do that. But this see, this was a thing um, yeah. and on both uh, gay episodes that we saw. Um, and they both talked about what sort of, like, role they play in relationships. Yes, yes. Which that I was, thought was really interesting. I mean, and let's get into the nitty gritty here. Yeah. Um, what was this guy's name? Lex. Lex. Okay, so Lex was, like, asking some of these guys, after a few drinks, like, yeah. he's a forward fella. Yeah. A lot of confidence coming from Lex. Lex is... Yes, like a handsome James Dean type. Yeah. Super like Lower East Side. He also looked like he was probably like pushing 40. Yes, yeah. And he seemed to have a successful creative he, job. Yeah, he was like, he's like a designer. But set like, designer, he, I think. Yes, a yeah. set designer. And he seems like he's got a fucking cool job in New York City. Yeah. He lives in a cool place in New York City. He kn- knows how to dress really well. He was very self-aware and yeah. self-assured. And it was, I, it was refreshing. I immediately took to Lex. I kind of wanted to be him in some ways. Yeah. I wanted to be his friend. He's like the type of person I see in New York City where I'm like, it'd be really great to be able to pull off like a leather jacket. You know what in I mean? In that way, yeah. yeah. And it's mm-hmm. like, I couldn't. I I would look like the fat Fonz if I put on a jacket. This guy looks Aww. like James Dean. Babe, so, you would be cute. No, I wouldn't. I, you know how much I sweat? I'm sweating right now. You're I right. It's a bad idea. <laughs> it's a bad idea. <laughs> Lex not for was Lex. very cool. And not only was Lex cool, but he acted like, he just seemed very down to earth and easy to yes. talk to. Yes. Okay. So That's, I was really yeah. into Lex and uh, as a dater. And I was like, oh yeah, I totally want to see what it's like when Lex goes on a first date. And we got a bunch of dates with Lex 5 uh, with a bunch of really different dudes. Wait, you were going to say something important. What was I going to say? We were talking about the roles they play in relationship oh, and you right. were saying once Lex got a few drinks so in him. So once Lex got a few drinks in him, he um, pretty bluntly would ask people whether they, I mean in one situation, whether they were a top or a bottom. Yeah. And I had it had never really crossed my mind Mr. Straight Man over here. Yeah. That like that's a very important thing that you have to dictate or you have to work that out to figure out whether or not you are going to um, connect on a sexual level, which 100%. is clearly incredibly important if you're going to get into a relationship with somebody. And so that really blew my mind that that is something that has to come up in some way. I thought it was very interesting uh, as uh, Lex sort of posed this question of these dates the different responses Mm -hmm. and and not like the answer really, but how they responded physically to a person who was putting them on the spot like that. And also about how sometimes Lex didn't use that exact language. There was some sort of other ways of asking, you know, and how the people, it was, it was spoken about in in innuendos. Yes. And I, I'll say that, um, I learned that, it's how open, um, you know, queer uh, people, people in the LGBTQ plus um, community, how in Are You the One this season, first day, 
everybody just started going, um, what are your pronouns? What are your pronouns? Yeah. What are your pronouns? Yeah. And it's like, I'm as a, a person who's not in that lifestyle, you know, uh, it's like something that like, I always f- just feel like you dance around that. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, don't want to make the mistake and come off like, you know, some person that's not an ally and, and things like that. And it's like, how do I, how would I even approach a situation like that? And honestly, are you the one this season taught me like the best thing to do is to ask somebody and they'll mm-hmm. and they'll give you an honest, you know, response. And now you have your answer and there's no reason to dance around it. Yeah. Um, and so that opened my eyes up to like, oh, yeah, even like queer people have to ask other queer people. It's like you can't just assume. Right. Just, you know, they're not speaking telepathically. I'm bi. So that person's bi. You right. know what I mean? Like, hey, we're all bi here. It's like, no, I'm not bi at all. You know, so it's uh, it was very interesting eye-opening and it was a good learning experience there and I felt the same way I would say that in the Lex situation I'm probably not gonna ask a person if they're a top or a bottom not my thing to know you know what I mean but the pronoun stuff and are you the one it was very interesting and you know if I'm in a situation like that I would probably be it would uh clear up some muddy waters for a guy who's not in the know I felt the same way about these 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 dates uh with these gay men sort of uh, it was very enlightening. Um, and honestly, just the personalities that you got on the Lex date, I felt like were the most interesting personalities that I got to see in all of da- uh, dating around. Mm. Uh, I felt like each and every person was really different from one another when. I don't, I think they were all like that, especially Leonard's <sighs> episode. Okay. The Leonard episode two, yes. Okay. But I'm uh, Sarah. There was like three guys in the Sarah episode who were like, "Yeah, I'm a New York firefighter." Like there yeah. was like three guys <laughs> who were like, they were all from like pretty much born in New York, yeah. pretty much. I think one guy was born uh, in another country and then moved to New York City when he was four. But we'll talk about that when it gets there. I thought this one in particular. There was a guy who was like an Italian man, yeah, with an accent. He was in fashion. And when when Lex started trying to get a little personal with him, he kind of begged off a little bit yeah, he wasn't Lex started speaking to him in italian about sensitive things and he backed off he did not want to really get into that it wasn't first date, date fodder yeah and he... then do you want to say something about him no that dater Mm-mm. and 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 uh then there was a man who was like i would say a guy who probably works over at house of yes in bushwick he was a very bushwick hipster like guy he had a the mustachio man a bald man in a gold jacket with a waxed mustache talking about yeah being a dog walker (laughs) being a dog walker and also about how he um, writes music he he writes music he's a dog he's like i'm a i'm obviously a i I write and perform music but also i'm a dog walker a house sitter you know the classic bushwick artist thing i'm sure we've seen this guy a hundred times i mean i also i also felt like it was uh fantastic when he was sort of telling his stories about how you know sometimes he'll walk people's dogs and then sleep with that person it was one story (laughs) where the person propositioned him yeah and lex seemed to be very much by the way i don't think i'm talking out of school here i do not think lex took this person very seriously yeah um also it's me this person was much much younger than him as well i think so and it's like lex is in a different world lex seems like he hangs out at at, at really cool like really actual cool places and goes to really nice dinners and is a sophisticated dude yeah it's cool oh by the way i'm fairly certain that uh, ariana from um Vanderpump Rules was at House of Yes at some point. What? Uh, last week or something. God. And I swear the neck. The uh, this is such an aside. Sorry, guys. You know I love Vanderpump Rules. Um, 
I think I saw her on the street. I think I saw her on the street by the Jefferson stop the day before I saw her Instagram post. Nick. But then it looked like she was in Vegas for a party. Is there a house of yes in Vegas? No. And by the way, you guys, the cast of Floribama was downtown in downtown Manhattan last <sighs> night. I'm leaving a stand-up show and Nick's calling me like, you got to get to this bar. Kodai's there. <laughs> Kodai. <laughs> it's a 15-minute walk from where you are. Can you walk in and take a picture of Kodai? Yes, the rest of the cast is there, but I only like Kodai. Yeah. Anyway, back to dating around. Um, so you're missing a big part of Lex's dates. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, one of the other daters. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm gonna get to it. Okay. The most incredible revelation on this entire show was there was a Midwestern man that he was on a date with. Football player. He was an ex-football player, bearded man with a hair and a bun. Top bun. Big old dude. This man said. That he created a little business called Movie Phone. What? what? Wait a minute. How old is this guy? Movie Phone. You're I, talking about Movie Phone reference in this Seinfeld? Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> Every, well, I'm, as we were talking earlier before, there is a great episode in Seinfeld in which Michael Richards, a.k.a. Kramer, gets the phone number for Movie Phone and for some reason becomes Movie Phone. And well, it starts ruining his life. We've talked about Seinfeld a lot this episode. I love Seinfeld. Movie Phone. Explain to the people who don't live in the New York, New Jersey area it, what it, The thing is, this is. comes from like Minnesota. I don't really understand understand what happened here i'll have to look it up we never did we gotta Um, figure this out movie phone before you you could go on a website and find out showtimes for movies in new york city you would just call this one number and they would uh, an automated service not before you go on a website but before your phone before your everyone had an iphone where they could look right right on their on google you would call this service in new york city and it would tell you all of the showtimes where and when of every movie and it was called movie phone and it was huge and this guy said that he created it now when this guy first of all this guy was like a handsome dude a, mm. uh, seemed like he was kind of like a buff dude a big dude um lex already seemed like he was kind of into uh this guy um yeah. and then when he dropped that he had created something called movie phone lex like his like lex mouth dropped. lost it well because lex is clearly lived in new york city for a long time and probably remembers movie phone and also was like oh this guy's like an entrepreneur yeah. like um this and, guy, and he said he sold movie phone to movie pass yes he sold it to movie pass yeah. and and lex you could just see like hearts in lex's eyes like yeah. oh fuck this might be a catch yeah then found out that the guy was an ex-football player and was like you gotta be kidding me and he's like well I don't do that anymore but I am on a rugby team and he's like you're you know you're every gay man's fantasy is what he said yeah and Lex was like lost his cool in this date, but in a cute yeah. way. In like, a real cute way. And I thought he was gonna pick the football player. I really did. And now, then he didn't. Um anyway, so then there was a guy who I would say is gay Pete Holmes. It's kind yeah. of his vibe. Yeah. Another Midwestern guy, I think. Cute guy, real tall, handsome. Was gonna be in the ministry. Yes, like kind of like, you know, uh wholesome kind wholesome. of looking. Yeah, got really wholesome... different from Lex. Like Lex yeah. is like real Lex's cool. Lex has got tattoos and and earrings and stuff and this guy just looked like not not as cool a sweet little boy but lex clearly dug his vibe and they had like a cool back and forth they had good chemistry you could tell i mean do you want to get into my theories on why he didn't pick the movie phone guy yeah i he when they were talking when they were you know get a couple of drinks in them and they have to actually getting down to the nitty-gritty of like are we actually going to be compatible you know lex seemed like he was an aggressive um guy like he was he's maybe the more aggressive guy in a relationship yeah he's the more dominant one more dominant guy in a relationship and then when he posed that question to movie phone guy movie phone guy's like i'm 
pretty aggressive in a relationship. I'm the dominant. I like one. to be dominant, but also I wear high heels, and you know, I'm I, I'm in touch with that other side too, which Lex seemed like he was into. But when he basically told him like I'm kind of the dominant one, you could almost see a little steam leave the sails of a little wind leave the sails of Lex. Yeah, because it just probably wouldn't be compatible. Like when it got down to you know um, a second date, yeah. you know what I mean. So. Yeah, it was a shame because that guy really looked like he was the catch. It really um, was. But he, he ended really up picking mid- the uh, the guy who was going to be like a priest or something. Yeah. Um, okay, so what was our next date? Leonard. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, Lex is my favorite, clearly, so we don't have to watch any more of this. Literally, we go- was going to put this show away for the evening. Yeah. Then, as Netflix does, it moved right in the next episode, and they started to introduce Leonard, and Leonard is a 70-year-old man. You guys... Not only is Leonard a 70-year-old man, but he is the most charming, so lovable, charming. So wonderful awesome. man. Fucking love Leonard so much. A widower. He's a widower. He his it's wife a private investigator. 35 years. He's a he was a he's a private investigator now, but he was like a lawyer for Greenpeace in the 60s. Yeah. And was like clearly like a hippie. He like, did LSD. LSD was the first drug he did. Yep. He talks about he on all these dates he was bringing up about he's like how much he likes drugs and he's just he was like they're great. I love them. Like yeah. he didn't say loved. He said he loves them. He doesn't come off like a hippie guy. He comes off like a cool fucking older New York guy. Yeah. And lives in NoHo. Has NoHo. Like he told one of the women he was on a date with like the square footage of his apartment and the she lady almost. lost her shit. Yeah. I mean, he was like, wow. Okay. 1900. I'm, I mean, that's huge. That's huge. I think he lives in Nolita, actually. Nolita. Yeah. Even better. Leonard is goals as far as an old man goes 100 percent. i mean wow and it actually turned my thought about what it's like to be um, an old person in new york city i always kind of i always see old people in new york city these eccentrics running around the streets with their trader joe's bags like like a chicken with their head cut off like yeah. um you know dressed with like weird beads and you know <laughs> a, a, a coke bottle glasses and i'm like oh I, you got to move out of new york city eventually you kind of turn into one of these people not true leonard was so cool yeah I, I would say he looked like he was 75 years old he was probably 65 and that's probably the drugs yeah. you know because he was just too cool for 75 he yeah. was just too cool and his date demeanor like how kind of like squiggly he was in the dates and his like the way he would talk to the women and stuff yeah was so charming and fun to watch I couldn't believe it. Um, anyway, the women that Leonard went on dates with were fucking gems. I cannot believe how great these women were. I wish we had known how old Leonard was and how old the pe- women he was on dates with. Because there was that one with like the long brown hair who I kept just saying, get this woman out of Looked here. Looked like his daughter. Yeah, she was too young. Too young. And like didn't had never done drugs in her life. I know, yeah. None of my friends have ever done drugs. Like, get you're not cool enough for Leonard. And they knew that. And they were like, okay, we're, and then he was like, Leonard was like, uh, what about religion? And she was, and he was like, well, he's like, I'm an atheist. And she was like, okay, I am totally not an atheist. And I'm it was like, very spiritual. And, and then he was like, I have a friend who does construction yeah, you might like. Yeah, they were like, uh, he's really handsome. He just got divorced. And he was like, she was like, do you have a picture? It was actually yeah. kind of sweet and yeah. a very nice way for, for that date to sort of climax. Um, he went on a date with a giant uh, fashion woman yes. who had like the thickest. She had a very, uh, her voice was, well, she was talking like this. And, I could uh, not understand. I kept asking Nick uh, what her accent was well, from. Well, uh, she could have been from Queens, but 
but she also could have spent most of her life in Hollywood, in Los Angeles, um, and then moved to New York City. And uh, well, I'll tell you something right now. I've had fourteen husbands. Like she had like three ex husbands. I go to bed at six p.m. Yeah, Yeah. martini. She she kept. She was just so great. She didn't seem that into Leonard. Yeah, that was a bummer. Because I think kind of Leonard kind of liked her a little bit. I thought Leonard found her interesting. Yeah, and she was kind of like, eh. But she had she was very entertaining to watch as oh a viewer. Oh my god. She maybe was my favorite dater of all the daters. Mm. Not not like the main person. Yeah. Uh but she may have been my favorite person that that showed up on one of these blind dates. Yeah, I might agree with you on that. Yeah, she was incredible. And then so there was that woman and then there was a woman who kind of was like if Betty White was an artist. Yeah. Like uh yeah. she was kind of quirky and Kirk uh, and like fun She's like I moved to New York with $250 when I was 18 to be a famous artist and now I am one <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I got I need to know who she is really and what she her was like. great she was I like another her. like eccentric older person but really cool like we started I loved that they both like bonded over the fact that they just love drinking like martinis yeah like and they, doing drugs in the 70s yeah and then uh, she like at, when they went to the bar she like drew him like a little like like bar napkin with piece of gloss. art with lip gloss and it was really fun and then they when they were on their date uh, and, and they were in the uh, limo going home, she seemed like she was really into him. Yeah. Like she really enjoyed her date and yeah. they had like a fun back and forth. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, that. And then there was another woman, and that woman was a widower as well, a widow as well. Oh boy! And this one was hard to watch. She y'all. just seemed like a like a New Jersey older New Jersey mother. She was scattered. Her daughter lived with her. Her daughter lived she with her. She kept pulling her phone out at dinner, which Leonard didn't. Leonard like. Leonard didn't like it, and she was very intrigued by the fact that Leonard liked drugs. She like she liked. She, she's Leonard. the one who was like, "Do you have any right now?" Like yeah. she, I liked her quite a bit until the end. <sighs> Well, I that liked her end, quite that a was bit such a burnout until, at the end. That was so tough at the very end. I liked her until the whole cell phone thing. Like her cell phone kept going off and she kept looking I, at it. And Leonard's, She hadn't been on a date in so long. She didn't know. And her daughter's yeah. like asking her for updates. Like yeah. I, I, I felt bad for her. And then she realized that it was kind of insulting to Leonard. Yeah. She's <sighs> like, you wouldn't do this. And he's like, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, it was tough. And then she like asked him in the in the and this happened a few times like hey can we go out on another date and leonard had to be like you're really great and and maybe he literally said it's not you it's, it's me. not you it's me and she was like oh okay well i guess it's good to know and she just looked like Oof. super shot down and like she thought i think that they were hitting it off and she got out of the car and leonard turned to the camera and said i hate this fucking shit yeah it was such a good moment yeah such a real moment now um, and then the woman that he picked was like the sweetest wonderful woman. a wonderful angel woman um what were the details on this woman both of her parents were deaf so her first language oh, right. was sign language yeah. she had i think three kids or two kids um she wore a shawl she just you could feel it was interesting this is what's interesting about this show i don't know how they did this but people's essences were communicated so on well. so this well show Incredible. i don't know how they did it this woman you could tell was very grounded and good in the core mm. and watching her her and leonard immediately connected the talk that they had there was a sense of calmness and peace with the two of them were together um 
she you know what she didn't the fashion woman is like my i think my favorite dater as well i think the woman that uh leonard picked is like the woman i would pick if i had to pick a woman on yeah, this show they totally to <laughs> they totally hit it off she said that she she was never she was really sheltered because of the situation with her deaf parents mm-hmm. and that when she broke out and like moved to new york city like it seemed like she was probably like a flower child as well like yeah. she, she went they, through a phase they seem like they kind of hit it off on like maybe the how they were living in their in the in the early 70s and yeah. the 60s or whatever um seemed to be a real good pick for leonard and Leonard picked her, and it yeah. was a really sweet moment, and I enjoyed it. Yeah. So our next date, Ashley. Um, Give me one second. Say one more thing about Leonard. Dude, Leonard, even in the where are they now part, like all of the people on the show, the other daters were like, Leonard, I love you so much. Yeah. Like, Leonard, I need to meet Leonard. How honestly. are we going to get Leonard on the podcast? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He probably doesn't like podcasts. Next up is Sarah. Yes, Sarah. Sarah, Sarah, Sarah. Sarah and her red lipstick. Yeah, these dates were tough, kind of. There was a few dates. There was a few moments here. We had a first time in the Sarah date. Um, Basically, they paired her up with five guys from New York City. I don't understand why she got the short end of the stick with the dudes. Um, Maybe it's because she was younger. She was 25. You know, Gerky was 36, so she was dating um, men that had a things a little bit more together i guess kind of gurky kind of got the short end of the stick too i think it's back All to what these, we were talking yeah. about is the straight women kind of got screwed here uh the guys that sarah dated they i mm, i hated all of them except for the one that i there were two that one okay how do i say this one guy she leaves halfway through the date she's all of a sudden like uh i realize i have a meeting and i'm not feeling well because he kept being like you like big things you want you don't want to get anything stuck in your throat yeah he like mentioned he worked for at a strip club worked at a strip club he just made her sarah was a woman who had been hurt before in the past um and was determined not to get hurt again by setting very strong boundaries and basically piecing out whenever she saw a red flag that tested those boundaries. First guy that gets the axe is the guy who makes all these sort of sexual jokes towards her that make her uncomfortable. She like walks out of the dinner. She leaves. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy. He's like, you're not going to finish your drink? And she's like, no, I like your shirt though. And then she leaves. Oof. Which is, it? no, that's not an oof. That is a that is a testament to a woman feeling like she's, if she is rejecting a man, she still has to be nice and like tend to his ego. That is what that is is her tending to his ego while also trying to get herself the fuck out of there. Um, the other guy that she was on a date with told her to calm down. Yikes, and that date was going well. It was going well until he told her to calm down. And and he also asked to hold her hand well, at what point. It started, actually, before the calm down part. Uh, they had put jalapenos on her steak and she said, well, I asked for no jalapenos. Do you want it? And he's like, I'll help you out. He goes, you know what that means? No tip. And she's like, you're kidding, right? And he's like, oh, uh, yeah, I'm kidding. He's like, don't ever not tip. Never say that ever. Yeah, that's and not funny. And then he goes, okay, relax. And then she's like, let me give you another tip. Never tell a woman to relax. Yeah. Never do it. I went on a date one time with a guy who left a $3 tip on a $50 dinner. And You'll I... never let it go, will you, Ash? <laughs> <laughs> Old titty man over here. <laughs> I never went on another date with them because I Ashley's was Ashley's like, always looking over my shoulder when I'm leaving that tip. Yeah, always. 20%. Always. <laughs> 20 to 25 um then there were two guys sarah went on a date with one who was from uh far rockaway and it really i really thought they had the uh, the best chemistry i really thought that he was going to be the one and then on the cab ride back she wanted to tell a joke 
She said, do you want to hear my nine-minute joke about mythology? And he said, no. She brought it up again, and he said, no. And just like, you could kind of watch her getting rejected, but him put him rejecting her in that moment twice, and I kind of felt for her a little bit. And then he, like, he didn't ask for a kiss. He got very close and kissed her, and it seemed to me like she was kissing him because he was kissing her. And then she pulled back, and she said, do you want to hear my nine-minute joke about mythology now? And, and that he is, said no. And that's when I realized he she wasn't going to pick him. Now, you're supposed to say yes. I imagine there was some sort of a twist there. Like, how could it be nine minutes? Like, you know, there had to be some sort of yeah. a test. That had to be a test in some way. Yeah, it felt like failed. that. The fact that she brought if someone brings up something more than once, just say yes. Yeah. In general. And then the guy that she eventually picked was some guy who was kind of like in a related field that she was in. And he just seemed like a nothing, okay, fine guy. He seemed... Like he was respecting the immense amount of boundaries and walls she put up. Yes. He wasn't testing her at all. And she was outwardly putting them up, saying that she, there are levels to yes. dating. Yes. And actually, that reminds me, there's another guy who was a firefighter who was a very handsome guy. She kept calling him cute, kept calling him cute. But yeah. kind of they kept kind of butting heads on their like uh, ideologies of dating. 100%. And she was like, well, I have levels that you have to get to. And if you don't meet all these levels, then we can't date. And she's like, he's like, I don't think about that at all. It's, that seems ridiculous to me. Then in the after, out, the after date part where they went to a bar, he was like, listen, I think you and I are in to two totally different um, headspaces. I respect that about us. I think you're cool enjoy your life i'm gonna go and yeah. he walked out he left and then she says that she's gonna go home and masturbate yeah. is what she said which was funny it was funny yeah and then she picked the guy who was in the similar field who was very respectful and uh he brought beers to some date when they were doing the city walk or something like that yeah and that brings us to our last dater um i don't know how to pronounce her name ashley so why don't you try mila mila that sure. sounds right yeah um mila was gorgeous she was very, very attractive. And sweet. And she worked for Valentina. She, yeah. she had another very good job. Giant. She seemed giant. Yeah. Oh, this, by the way, is a lesbian. So we watched a bunch of uh, lesbian dates, yes. which was fun. Yes. It was uh, really different people, too. Five like, shocking, five very different women. Yes. Um, Mila's whole deal was that she um, doesn't really go on a lot of dates because she just jumps right into relationships. Yeah. Um, so it was all very kind of new to her. Um, she was pretty reserved on these dates. Like, uh, she wasn't... Um, she seemed like she maybe was a little more freak, a little more scared than some of the other daters mm -hmm. were to do this. And yeah. that's probably because she doesn't go on many dates. She was so. definitely more withdrawn yes. than the other daters. She kind of had Luke vibes. It's interesting that they kind of um, had these two be the end and the, the, begin, the beginning and the end. Because mm -hmm. they were both sort of reserved and pulled back and let the, the, the daters showcase their personalities. Yeah. Um, and she had, she had, um, some very interesting people. I, one, one woman, she just like clearly became really good friends with by the end of the date, which I really liked. Yeah. The girl, the woman named Ashley, who was like, oh, we got to go, you, you know, telling her all the, uh, the gay clubs to go she to. She seemed maybe more, too, more, too much of a, a datey party girl. For yeah. Her, possibly. Yeah. Um, and she kind of broke down what the lesbian dating scene was like in New York city for somebody yeah. that doesn't go on many dates. I thought that was interesting. That was very interesting. Tell, and naming all these places to go in New York, which I thought was cool. 
just because like someone might be watching that, I don't know, in like Utah and be like, yeah. okay, I'm moving to New York and going to those places. Um, she went on uh, a big p- part of her date uh, during dinner was talking about tattoos, mm-hmm. and that seemed to be kind of important to her. She yeah. had a tattoo that was like she wanted everyone to read her tattoo, yeah, and- which I think was in um, was in it was in uh, Hindi. Who yeah. knows? Don't I don't remember. remember. Um, and uh, they, I would say that this was interesting, but maybe less interesting than the other dates, in my opinion. Because everybody kind of was nice and cordial. Like, nothing kind of messy happened on any of these dates. Yeah. And it was kind of like a toss-up on who she was going to pick. It was more reserved. It, everything felt reserved. She eventually kind of started to admit not admit, but tell some of these people that she's her type is more an androgynous, and mm-hmm. so then that started to narrow some stuff down. That cut three people out right yeah, away. Yeah, that yeah. cut out um, Jerry, the bisexual model, yep, yep. from um, Wales, yeah, via Connecticut, who had a fun accent, but clearly the two of them had zero chemistry. Yeah. Um, then there was Ashley, the party girl, yeah, who they're going to hang out with, hang out at Pride at Stonewall together. Um, then there was a woman who was older, I think. She did seem older than the rest. She yeah. had, she had dyed her hair blue, which was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't tell why they did not vibe. I think it might've just been an age difference. It definitely, they didn't seem like they had romantic chemistry together, personally. And the woman at the end was like, so when are we going to see each other again? Usually I would say, do you want to see each other again? But I want to see you, so I'm putting it out there as a, yeah. when are we going to see each other again? And that's when um, our dater was like, we can hang out as friends. Oof, so yeah. tough. They must have told them to be honest on this show because yeah. people were very honest on the show. She ended up picking uh, a person that seemed like sort of like a fun, yes, more androgynous, um, you know, white girl who is, can, uh, I think she was worried, her kind of storyline is she was worried that she comes off like a fuck boy. Her words, yeah. not, not she mine. Had been, she'd been the party planner for the biggest queer parties in New York right, City, right. which is very cool. But didn't have any tattoos. No tattoos. Um, and uh, they just seemed to have like a very flirty, fun vibe together. They clearly hit it off immediately. That's what's so cool. Another cool thing about this show is you could feel people's chemistry. When these two people were talking and they were having their pre-dinner drinks, you could tell that they liked each other and or that they were, they were finding an ease with each other. Then you can watch them at dinner and you're like, oh, these people are actually getting along and connecting. Yeah. And then by the time they're having their you know they're after dinner drinks you're like they like each other yeah yeah. you know and then they had a freaking hot makeout session this was the hottest of the makeout sessions this was up close mouth it was good it was good Um, we saw luke's makeout session but it was like far away and and, uh this was uh um most notable thing for me is the uh, van lewin ice cream truck was featured yes and it got me wanting to eat ice cream same God damn it. Anyway, yeah. folks, that was the episode. <laughs> we went extra long here. Um, uh, but thank you for sticking around. We really appreciate it. As Ashley said uh, earlier in the podcast, please rate our podcast five stars on the Apple Podcast app. Write a little something nice for the review. It would help us out. We're trying to get to 100 before the end of the year. Follow you- us on Instagram at Reality Blows Podcast. Got- I had to plug the Insta, babe. Yes, the Insta is our new thing. If you really want to get in touch with us, please follow us. We will follow you back. If you're not a bot, 
we're gonna follow your ass back we want to yeah. be friends we want to see your stories we want to like your pics yeah we really do um also if you want to follow us on twitter go ahead and do that at reality blows pod you can follow ashley on twi- twitter at ashley b roberts you can follow me on instagram at nick maritato that's m-a-r-i-t-a-t-o um and make sure you uh stick around and check out our uh, latest and newest recap of the challenge which will drop in the early hours of thursday folks thank you so much for listening goodbye bye Bye.